Or if you have your Bibles, turn to Revelation chapter 20 as we end our series in Revelation in the next four or five weeks. I'm going to try to pull it out to about uh, July, and then we'll start with uh, Brother Gibson and Brother Taylor and Brother Kikendall and Brother Norris and some great preachers. I left one out because we got five we got five weeks in uh, August, but I think it's going to be one of the greatest, awesome preachers in August that we've ever had. I guarantee if you ever heard Milton Taylor preach from South Carolina and then this Brother Gibson, uh, and I don't think that's his name, but, uh, and Brother Mike Norris from Murfreesboro, North uh, Tennessee, some tremendous preachers. We're excited about it and looking forward to it, and I thank God for... Uh, a uh, chance to finish the book of Revelation with all you workers. Appreciate all you faithful workers being good followers. And um, I don't believe you ought to be leaders unless you're followers. Amen? I really don't. I don't, th- I don't think you're qualified to be a, a leader if you're not a good follower. I hope I'm a good follower. And the Bible says, follow me as I follow Christ. You know, I was heartbroken yesterday, as, uh, but God works all things together. Uh, you know, I, was, I went to a revival last night, and I had some questions about this passage in Revelation chapter 20 about the books, and Brother Ricky Gravely got up and preached the whole message on the books, didn't he, Brother? And, I, and you're going to hear it again. No, and uh, it, was a, it was a blessing to have some questions answered. I'm just going to give you what he said in one point only, but uh, you know, God answers your questions if you're just seeking and get in church, amen, and find a preacher that'll preach on the subject that you was thinking about. Have you ever had that happen to you? And so God's blessing, God's working, and even He works in uh, fraudulent prayer requests. I hope I don't embarrass anybody because one of you sent it to me, uh, and I was so upset with somebody that would be so so uh, terrible to take, send a prayer request out that's been going on for three years, but I was glad that um, I had enough confidence in some of y'all to, to write you and tell you to pray. And I, did, I made a bad mistake, which was a good mistake. I text Little Randy instead of Big Randy. And he said, hey, this is Little Randy. I said, oh, good. I've been wanting to talk to you anyway. And we had a long text session, and it ended up with, with uh, Randy, I love you. And he, he texts back and says, Brother Wayne, I love you. And so, you know, God works all things together. And I tell you what, I, I, I hope somebody... Um, uh, gets a hold of the guy that started that uh, fraudulent prayer request. But I want to tell you something, even if he didn't, Brother Joe Nam said this, he said, don't, don't worry about it, preacher, I needed the practice. <laughs> and you know, you, y'all don't even know, well, y'all do too. He's the guy that we had at the couple's retreat that I would not let pray. Amen. I said, you preach, teach, but you do not pray because he called his wife a smoking hot wife. Amen. And, uh, I, I, you know, she, she used to be the secretary of this church. She's not, she's not smoking hot. She's a good, uh, godly pastor's wife. And uh, probably is to him, though. Praise God. Let's don't get into that. Amen. All right, Revelation chapter 20. I hope he's watching. Praise God. If he is, he's backslidden. I'll tell you that. He'd be in church. Amen. But isn't it great? I mean, God, the devil tries to do something, and then the Lord turns it around, works it all together, and I get to talk to little Randy out in Cal- He's out in California, isn't he? In cyberspace is the only place I know where he's at, amen, but we was just a Texan like we was next door, and uh, I think that's the only thing Texans worth uh, doing is, um, is uh, witnessing. All right, tonight I want to preach on a very serious subject. I was going to preach on it last uh, Wednesday, and uh, the Holy Spirit checked me on it, so I didn't uh, preach on it, 
And uh, it's a good thing because we only had one uh, family here uh, with the children, which broke my heart. We'll change that next week, next year, I promise you. But um, I, pre- I preached on the judgment seat of Christ. And that was all for us, getting ready to be uh, accountable uh, to uh, the Lord and be good, faithful servants, no matter who shows up or who doesn't show up. We're doing it for the Lord. But uh, tonight I want to preach on uh, the sinner's day in, in God's courthouse. And I preached on the second death um, Sunday a week ago, and it was all on hell. The whole thing was on hell. Uh, it was on the second death, what it was, how long it lasts. And I mean, I preached it hot, long, because it is hot and long. How the people are brought out of Hades and, and uh, they're uh, cast into the everlasting Gehenna, which is the everlasting pit of fire. They're in jail or hell, and then they, they get uh, brought up before the, the great judge. It's a terrible uh, judgment. And I hope you're not going to be there. I hope none of you is going to be there as far as being judged. But I want to preach on the final judgment. The final judgment. Before I read my scripture, I want to, I want to give you an a illustration that uh, Brother uh, Adrian Rogers used many, many years ago. He said, I want to speak to you tonight on this uh, most serious subject uh, because it is on judgment. And he told about a man that moved to a town. Uh, he heard about a young minister who, who uh, went to a town, just a village really, uh, to be the pastor, and there was a man who was a skeptic, a scorner, um, uh, an agnostic, uh, pseudo-intelligent. Really, he was a fool, saying there is no God. And his favorite sport was baiting preachers, teasing preachers, arguing with preachers. It's a terrible sport, isn't it? And baiting preachers, uh, ridiculing the gospel. And so he could hardly wait till the new minister came to town. And one day they met in the town square, and this man whose name was Bert Olney, O-L-N-E-Y, met the new minister and he said to him, I understand you're the new minister in town, is that correct? He said, yes sir, I am. He said, well, I want to tell you something. My name is Bert Olney, and I don't believe in God, I don't believe in the Bible, it is the Word of God, I, I, I believe that heaven's a mere sentimental uh, myth, I believe hell is a blunder and foolishness, I believe that you're a pious fraud, an imposter, and I believe that all people who go there to hear you preach are hypocrites. Welcome to town. And the young minister looked at him and quoted a verse of Scripture, and he said, It is appointed unto man once to die, and after this to judgment. Only said, Don't quote the Bible to me, he said. I don't believe the Bible. What do you have to say to that? The young minister said, It is appointed unto man once to die, and after this to judgment. He said, That's, that's no argument. Don't give me that I said, I don't believe that. He said, in response, the preacher, it is appointed unto man once to die, and after this, the judgment. He said, is it appointed once to man to die, and after this, the judgment? Is all you can say? And so infuriated Bert Olney that he wheeled around, turned, and walked away in disgust. But later on, Bert Olney gave his testimony. He said, as I walked home that night, I walked over a bridge, as the creek was... Beneath me, the frogs in the creek were saying, Judgment, 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 judgment. And what that man had said so reverberated through my soul is appointed once to men to die and after this is judgment that I could not get it out of my heart and my mind until I gave my heart to Jesus Christ. I pray God, I pray God tonight that this will etch itself in your conscience and reverberate your soul, he said. 
Folks, I want to tell you something. One scripture can make a difference. And one, uh, one person not trying to argue with a heathen and a fool that says there is no God and give the scripture can, can uh, break the heart of a guy that's uh, so hard. Tonight I want to tell you it breaks my heart that anybody would have to face this terrible judgment. I want, to, I want you to read in the Word of God, and I want you to stand in honor of the Word of God. We'll just read verses 11 through 15. And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from the, whose face the earth and the heavens fled away. And there was found no place for them. Now listen, there was found no place for them. Uh, and, and I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were open. And another book was open, which is the Word of God, excuse me. Book of, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of uh, those things which were written in the books according to their works. That often threw me. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and were judged, and were judged um, every man according to their works. These are lost people being judged according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire, this is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. I want you to be seated as we pray. I want you to ask God to help us to, uh, to uh, get something out of this chapter, but also to get a burden for souls. And I need an outline myself, uh, brother, if you bring me one while I pray. Father, thank you so much for... Um, the blessing of being in the house of God once again. Thank you for the way you touched our hearts Sunday night and Sunday morning. God, I thank you, dear God, for uh, the one that's been saved uh, and got under conviction of the Holy Spirit on the way to church tonight. Lord, thank you for answering prayer, and thank you, dear God, for working in such a special way in this little girl's life. Well, we thank you she don't have to face this judgment. God, she'll have to face the judgment seat of Christ and give account of everything she did from this day forward. But Lord, she'll not ever have to face the great white throne judgment. So Lord, thank you for that. And thank you for eternal salvation. And thank you for your willingness to save us and love us even when we're uh, so hard and so, so uh, determined to go our way. So Lord, please help us, dear God, as we preach. And we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Last night, as I said, as I went to church and minded my own business, he opened up to this text. And he said, I want to give you the... Uh, five or six books that are going to be in this judgment. I'm not sure I agree with him totally on every one of them because I'm not sure that these books are there, but I know this, that these books could be there and that, we're all, that the lost people are going to be judged according to these five things, whether this book opens up called the book of words or conscience or whatever. But I know this, friend, is that you cannot stand in your works if you're going to get saved. You must stand in the blood of Jesus Christ, amen? And you're saved by grace, and sinners are going to be condemned by works and by your selfish endeavors and by your flesh. So I want to show you, first of all, the setting in our, in our outline. Verse 11 and 12, it says, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it from the face of the earth, uh, whose face the earth, and the heavens fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, and before God, and the books were open. Another book was open, and it was the book of life. 
and that's different than the uh, Lamb's book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. Now here's the lost people judged or condemned or judged according to their works. So I want you to see, first of all, a terrible fact. First of all, the men will stand stripped of all pretense and will appear as they really are. The Bible says, I saw the dead, small and great. Folks, I want to tell you something. Whether you're a dignified sinner, or whether you're a cultured sinner, or whether you're just a terrible heathen sinner, all sinners that are lost are going to face Jesus Christ on level ground. And folks, I want to tell you something. No one is going to survive that judgment. No one is going to go to heaven as a result of this judgment. Then I see a terrible figure, and I say this terrible figure in the essence that he's awesome, and that he is a, a God that's to be feared. And I'm, I'm afraid in these last days, uh, people are losing the fear of God. They're just losing the reverence for God. They're losing the awe, and they've lost their blush. And but I'm going to tell you one day, there's going to be a great uh, awakening when we every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord. That means every tongue, not just the saved, but I'm telling you the lost at the great white throne judgment going to say, I was wrong. I, 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 I went the wrong way. I'm going, I've been in hell all this time like jail. I've been released now. I'm facing the almighty God and this terrible, awesome figure to them is Jesus himself. John 5, 29 says that the judgment will be delegated to Jesus Christ and the marks of the cross will still be visible in his body when he, when he talks to them. And one man has denied, another's cursed, another's ridiculed. And folks, I want to tell you something. They'll all stand before Jesus. One's been religious. One's thought they were saved. One thought that uh, through this uh, work and through this baptism and through this wafer they take, and through the good works, and through the uh, knocking on every door in Whitfield County, uh, saved them, and they're going to be there. Every Mormon's going to be there. Every lost uh, Baptist is going to be there. Every Episcopal, uh, whatever that is. Whiskapalians, Brother Randy, are going to be there. Oh, I ain't going to bring that up. But anyway, listen, the terrible figure uh, to them. But he's a wonderful figure to us. His name is Jesus. Then I see a terrible fear. Glory that awaits the child of God just to get to see Jesus. It's going to be glorious. And boy, uh, I can't wait to get to chapter 21 and 22 because it's on heaven. And it's going to be wonderful to preach on heaven after this horrendous chapter. But I want to tell you something, friend. But for the sinner, it'll be pure agony to look upon him. Now, folks, even the heavens and the earth will flee away. That's how powerful this judgment is and how powerful the judge is. And there's nowhere to hide. You can't hide behind your mama's profession. You can't hide behind daddy's uh, good works. You can't hide behind your good works or your religious affiliation, your denomination. Folks, there'll be no place to stand unless you're standing in Jesus and saved by the blood of the Lamb. There'll be no place to stand. There's nowhere to hide. They'll stand before the one that they hated. They'll stand for one they despise and they'll stand there paralyzed in fear. And I'm not talking about reverence. I'm talking about scared to death. And they already died once. They're going to die twice because they've been in hell and now they're facing, he brought up the, the, the uh, dead uh, in Hades. Uh, death and hell were cast again into the lake of fire. And so uh, a terrible fire, a, a 
bottomless pit, a dark pit. And then I see a terrible fellowship. I want you to think about this. And I preached on that uh, Sunday morning just a few weeks ago, and I got the outline here just in case I become redundant and repetitive because I'm going to have you out of here in a few minutes. But um, uh, folks, there'll be murderers and harlots and drunkards and druggies, uh, but there'll also be preachers and popes and presidents. There'll be uh, people of unbelief. The only sin that's going to condemn everybody there is one sin. It's the sin of unbelief. It's not the sin of drug use. It's not the sin of sorcery. It's not the sin of, of being a drunkard or a druggie or a murderer or a thief or a liar. It's going to be those that are fearful and are faithless. And folks, there's one sin that will send you to hell, and that's the sin of unbelief. The way you got saved this this afternoon, is you believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. There's no works to it, and there's no uh, figuring it out. And so we see the terrible fellowship. That's the background. But then I want you to see uh, the books. The books. Folks, I want to tell you something. The mind stores everything that a person never experiences. Matter of fact, somebody said that we're using 1% of our brain. Wouldn't you like to tap into 99% more of it? Amen. They say you can get some pills and it'll keep you from forgetting so much. Uh, and that would be good. And I need, to get, I need to get a hold of that prescription. Praise God. been taking charcoal for the last um, five or six days because I've been exposed to so much virus. And I'll tell you what, uh, the only thing it's done is i got black teeth. But anyway, uh, the, the, the back... <laughs> I did brush them. The background. Take some charcoal and it'll, you'll... Uh, you can cook out by standing out in the sun. But anyway, the background, the background, but the books. And this is so interesting to me. Why are there so many books at the uh, great white throne judgment? I'm going to give you an answer. I don't know. But you know something? I ain't the judge. Amen? If he wants the books there, he's got the books there. But the books are like the mind. I'm going to tell you, a proper trigger brings about uh, the conscious memory. You know, I blanked out my childhood because it was so horrendous and so... Um, chaotic. But you know something, the other day, and I'm not going to go into details at all about it, but uh, uh, the other day I, I went into a, a restroom and, and there was a terrible smell there, and that smell of uh, urine all over the floor triggered a childhood memory. A terrible childhood, childhood memory. Where my daddy would get up in the middle of the night drunk and couldn't find the bathroom. I mean dog drunk. And I want to tell you something, friend. It's amazing how something like that can trigger a thought or an event. This mind's a fragile thing. A fragile thing. And I don't mean to be crass. I'm just telling you, the mind has a lot of capacity if we could only tap into it. Say amen. And I believe the Word of God hidden in your heart can trigger and, and activate and, and help and heal your mind. I remember Jamie came for counseling, Brother Larry, and his mind was baked. It was fried by drugs. That's what drugs will do to you. And liquor will do that to you too. It'll weaken your mind. I'm going to tell you something. I never, I've never seen a drunk think straight yet. Say amen. I don't know why youth want to get the little coolers and all the wine coolers and everything be cool. There ain't nothing cool about it. Matter of fact, it's downright stupid to drink. Amen. And it stupefies your mind. It stigmatizes your eyes. And I want to tell you something. It paralyzes your will. Liquor is a terrible sin. With booze, you lose. And I want to tell you something. I didn't mean to trigger that rabbit, but it needed to be shot because it was wobbling. But I want to tell you this, folks. God doesn't forget either. 
And I want to tell you something, he keeps some books on fallen men. Last night, Brother Rick brought out, there's a book of words, Matthew 12, 36. The books of every idle word you will give account of. And I don't know how the Lord's going to do that, but He's God, He can do it. But the Bible says in Matthew chapter 12, you want to uh, turn with me there real quick, and I'll just review this. Brother um, um, Petty could stay at home tonight. But look at this, uh, Matthew chapter 12. No, you couldn't either. Had to come encourage me. But Matthew chapter 12, verse 36, the Bible says, But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof at the day of judgment. So there it is. We're going to give account of our words at the day of judgment. But that's the lost people that's going to give account of their words. And I want to tell you something. Every sinner that has took God's name in vain is going to remember it. Every sinner that's uh, said shallow things like, I can worship out there on a log in a tr on a tree. I don't need to come to the house of God every Sunday. They're going to eat those words, Swamp Fox. That's the former, former title of Brother Larry Reimer, I believe. Amen. And that's what he said when I first met him. I'll just worship God on a log. Well, praise God, he's got a better log now. He, he's early and he's in that sound room keeping me right in tune. Vocally, not spiritually. But I thank God for him. I thank God for our prayer meetings every Sunday morning together. And that's better than a log. Say amen, brother. Amen. That's better than being a hunter on Sunday trying to worship God with nature. God help you, John Denver's. Get right with God. Amen. Good gracious. And then we got the book of conscience. Romans chapter 2, verse 15. Look at it. Romans chapter 2, verse 15. I'm just going to hit this real quick because i got a lot more to preach on than the books. Romans chapter 2 and verse 15, the Bible says this, which show the works of the law written in the hearts, their conscience also bearing witness of their thoughts, uh, the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. You need to watch your conscience. Because the conscience is the pathway to the heart. And folks, you need to have a clear conscience. Do you have bitterness against anybody in this world? You need to get it right with God. And folks, if you've got all against a brother, you'll never worship God, you'll never pray, you'll never have your answered prayer, and you'll never be a soul winner with a, with, a, with a bad conscience towards God. And God pricks that conscience, and God guides that conscience. But some people sear their conscience, and I'm going to tell you something, friend, you're going to give account of that. Then there's secret sins. Look at Ecclesiastes chapter 12. In verse 14, Ecclesiastes, Psalm of Solomon. That don't help me a bit, amen? Ecclesiastes. I wish I'd have marked that. Sometimes I panic when I don't mark a verse because it takes me forever to find the verse. And I've only got 20 minutes uh, to, uh, to uh, read this, this verse. Ecclesiastes. Uh, help me out now. Psalm of Solomon. All right, I got it. Chapter 12, verse 14. All preachers, let me give you a little lesson. I'll mark the scriptures where you're going because you might not find it. But look at this, Ecclesiastes 12, verse 14, the Bible says, For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. And so your public works are going to be judged. Also, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 14 and 15. And so you got the books of words, books of conscience, books of secret sins, books of the public works might be there. I'm not, I'm not completely convinced that's the books, but I'm telling you, it, it, it makes sense that it could be the books. But as, as, as man will be judged not only for what he has or has not done, he will be judged for what he is, a sinner. Amen? And I want to tell you something, men will be weighed against the Lord Jesus Christ and His righteousness, and you will never measure up. You'll be found wanting, 
and you'll be judged lost and doomed to hell. And I don't want to be there, and I'm not going to be there because I was saved when I was 11 and a half years old. And folks, I want to tell you something. It's going to be a reckoning that you don't want to be at. It's the book of the life of the Lamb. It's going to be the Lamb's book of life that your name will be written in uh, when you're saved. And then if you don't get saved, He's going to blot your name out. That's where all those people think you can lose your salvation, come in, think you're, you're going to get blotted out of the Lamb's book of life. No, you're going to be blotted out, Revelation chapter 20, 22, from the book of life. And the book of life is every person born physically. And folks, you'll be erased from that. That tells me right there, God intends everyone to be saved, and it's going to be your fault if you don't. Amen? It's not His fault. He loves you anyway. He loves you no matter what. And He'll forgive you for any sin, no matter what it is, except the sin of unbelief for the last time before you die. Let me hurry. My time's up. But I see the summons in verse 13. The Bible says this, And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and, and they were judged every man according to their works. And so there's no hiding place. Every grave will give up her dead. The dust will come together. You say, how will that happen? Same way he put you together the first time, he'll put you together the second time, but I hope you're not in this second resurrection. And then the sea will give up her dead. Now how's that going to happen? That's miraculous. I mean, someone's going to have to come out of some fish's mouth or something, amen? Because <clears throat> he's done ate your dust, or ate, ate you, amen? Your remains, your decay, whatever. Let's don't get uh, detail of that. But hell will be empty for the first time in a thousand years. Imagine the scene before the throne of Jesus. You know, the saints will be raised in a glorified body. Let me ask you a question. I have no answer for it, Brother Steve. What's the dead going to look like? It ain't going to be a glorified body. I think it's going to be a horrendous body. It might be as bad as some of those artists depict on those Halloween movies that you shouldn't watch. Amen. And you dress up your children like on Halloween. I mean, spooks. It might be that way. It might be bad. It ain't going to be glorified. It ain't going to be beautiful. And I don't believe there's going to be any smiles at the judgment. And folks, when that body reunited with that soul, and that soul's in hell, or Hades, or jail, and it's brought up before, before the great white throne judgment, it's going to be a reckoning. It's going to be scary. It's going to be a terrible fellowship. It's going to be a terrible fear. It's going to be a terrible judge judgment come across. And folks, it's a terrible fact that no one in that judgment will go to heaven. No one. There's no second chance. There's no purgatory. You know what purgatory is? It's nothing but a farce of a, of a money-raising campaign for the Catholic Church. You can pay your... Hey! You can baptize your way out of uh, uh, some, some relative's soul. or You can pay somebody's soul out of hell. Hades, purgatory. There is no paying out. There is no temporary stay. Folks, I'm telling you, the only stay they have is when they're brought up out of hell, face the great white throne judgment, and they're cast into the bottomless pit. It's going to be a horrendous judgment, but no one's going to pay their way out. And no one's going to claim religion to get out. And no one's going to say they're right enough to get out. And no one's going to say, I had my day in court and let me explain myself. There'll be no more explaining. There'll be judgment. And that's fearful. It's appointed once a man to die and after this the judgment. 
I detest people that try to tell you that religion's enough. Joining the Mormon church or the Jehovah Witness cult is enough. Bowing towards Mecca is enough. It's not enough. The only person that's enough is Jesus. And the only thing that's enough is the blood. Say amen. And thank God for the blood. And so folks, listen, men will be judged not only for what he has or has not done, he'll be judged for what he is, a sinner. But he's going to be reminded of the life he lived. It's going to pass before him like a great reviewing stand. And folks, you're going to weigh against the righteousness of God, which is perfect, that your righteousness is filthy rags. And no matter how right you think you are, you're not getting out of the great white throne judgment. And so let me plead with you just a second. You Whitfield Baptist Church members that are not sure you're saved, you better get sure. And you better not let pride send you to hell, Randy team. Because it almost sent a preacher's son to hell. And he made a statement from this pulpit one time, I wasn't going to go to hell for anybody. And so if you're not absolutely 100% sure, you ought to be the first one to hit this altar tonight because I'm telling the rapture is about to take place and it's going to be over for you. You need to get saved. You need to get saved tonight. Don't you bank on good works. Don't you bank on uh, your religious affiliation. Don't you bank on being a Baptist. Let me preach against Baptists that are lost for a second. I hit everybody else. There's a lot of Baptists that are lost because they've never trusted the blood of Jesus Christ. And then I see the sentence in closing. In verse 14, it says, And death and hell were cast in the lake of fire. This is the second death. The reason it's the second death because the first death is when they died and their soul went to hell and their body was left in the grave and then the second death is when that's reunited, the second resurrection, and then they're cast back into hell. That's the second death. So if you're born twice, you'll die once. You're born once, you'll die twice. You must be born twice. Say amen. And so the sentence is this. The books are read and the sentence is given. And the fearfulness... Oh, the worst sentence possible is found in Matthew 25, 41. Matthew 25, 41. Read, read it with me. Matthew 25, verse 41. Let me just draw a few conclusions and we'll be, we'll be out of here. But I didn't come to leave. I come to be blessed and be a blessing. The Bible says, Then shall he say unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil, and his angels. Everlasting fire. And it says, Depart from me, you cursed. There's a curse called sin, selfishness, and vainglory. The worst sentence you could ever hear is, Depart from me. They'll be wailing and weeping and gnashing of teeth as they fall back into the bottomless pit. There'll be darkness forever, thirst forever, pain forever. They just had thousands of years of pains. Now they face it again and go back down. Why do you think God's doing it? I'll tell you why God's doing it. Because He's proclaiming that He is Lord and that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess and He's going to make them come up before the judgment seat of Christ. But that, I mean the great white throne judgment. All who appear before the righteous judge are sentenced to an eternity of a lake of fire. Now what should be our response? And I'll close this chapter and we'll get into heaven. It ought to be John 4, verse 35. I want to tell you what that is. 
It says that we ought to lift up our eyes into the fields for the white all ready to harvest. How many's had someone die in the last five years that you were close to? Raise your hand. Saved or lost? Saved or lost? That's the most important question. Saved or lost? In heaven or in hell right now? The Bible says in Luke chapter 14, verse 23. Let me read that to you, please. It says that our attitude towards soul winning should be this. And I'll tell you something, a message on the final judgment doesn't move you to at least go visit him one time in your lifetime. Something's wrong. Call somebody, send a track. Folks, hell's real. If hell's not real, let's go home because we're all a bunch of fools. And I'm a fake. I'm a false prophet. If hell's not real, then the Bible's not real. Therefore, none of this is real. But if hell's real, it ought to move us. And the Bible says in chapter 14 of Luke, Verse 23, it says, And the Lord said unto the servants, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come into my house. It may be filled. Compel means warn and urge and cry and weep. The Bible says in Acts chapter 1, this comes to mind. It says that we ought to be witnesses. And the only way we can be witnesses is that we get baptized in the Holy Ghost or filled with the Holy Ghost. And that God will make us witnesses. Not that we will become witnesses. We will be witnesses. And folks, we ought to pray for Acts 1.8 to be real in our life. But ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me. Unto me. You'll be a witness. You can't help yourself. It'll bubble out. Like bad breath. Like good breath. It'll, 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 it'll seep out one way or the other. Hey, you'll carry tracks in your pocket instead of Winston's. Amen. Come on. You'll be more concerned about people going to hell than you will uh, uh, getting a, a nicotine escape. Hey, all the smokers are getting up now. Just excuse them. No, I'm only kidding. But, uh, hey, listen. God help us. God help us. God help us to not be more concerned about uh, uh, our, 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 our little iPhone used to be a little uh, whatever it was, uh, pagers, and now it's phones and, and, and communication and Facebook and Twitter and all the things that people think about. When we don't witness to one person, we don't have one track in our hand. We don't even, we don't even hand out a track to somebody that looks like they're about to die. We ought to have a zeal. But we ought to have a witness, and that's the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit rules in your life. I'm going to tell you what he does. Number one, he makes God real. I mean, God's real. The Lord's Lord. But then also, hell's real. Heaven's real. Eternity's real. The Holy Spirit witnesses on eternal things. The Holy Spirit reminds us. The Holy Spirit changes our insight and our outside and our, and our oversight. And we all look at people different. And we don't look at them as what they can do for us. We look at them as souls either dying and going to hell, either going to the great white throne judgment or the judgment seat of Christ. Sometimes I wonder if we really believe what we preach or what we hear or what we teach. Acts 4.13 says that they, they um, were different. It says, now when they were bold, 
when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled, what? And they took knowledge of them, why? Because they'd been with Jesus. I'm going to tell you this. Hell and the judgment, the great white throne judgment, ought to motivate you to spend time with God and spend time in the Word so you'll be fully equipped to speak to people and burdened to do it. Acts 4.31 is a good verse. I have to claim this because I'm shy. It says, when they prayed, the place was shaken. They're all assembled together. And they were filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake in tongues. No, it didn't say that. And spake the Word of God with boldness. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. You're full of self when you're fearful of what people think when you speak to them. You're, you're, oh, they might, they might be, I might get embarrassed. You're full of self. I said self. You're full of your own ego. Well, I might say something wrong. I'm going to tell you something. I'd chance it to see somebody go to heaven. I'd make a fool out of myself if I had to, to tell them about Jesus. But, oh, no, I can't speak. I'm shy. Uh, and I know some people are shy by nature, and they're usually taught by their parents to be that way. And some people are loudmouths, and they're taught by their parents to be that too. Amen. Go ahead and say that about my kids. I don't care. But I'll tell you this right now. I believe with all my heart, when the Holy Spirit's filling and controlling your life, you are witnesses. Because you really believe there's a hell. You really believe that there's a place they'll spend eternity in. And you really love them enough to speak to them. Or at least give them a track and run. Leave it on the door and pray nobody's home. How many's ever done that? <laughs> Woo! I just pray no dogs are home. I don't care about the people. It's the dogs I hate. Folks, the Bible tells us in Jude chapter 22 that we ought to have compassion. Why should we have compassion? I'll tell you why we ought to have compassion. The Bible says it very clearly. I'll be there in just a minute. It says, And some having compassion, making a difference. And others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Compassion. I never really prayed for my daddy until I saw him in hell. He's putting us through what I thought was it, but it wasn't near hell. But when I went to bed and I started just sort of daydreaming before I go to sleep. And I saw my daddy burning in hell. I said, i got to do something. If he slaps me across the kitchen table, i got to witness to him. i got to speak to him. And then I went to the meeting the night that he burnt half the house up. Listen to me now. It's not time to text. Put him up. And I remember when I got home, the place was full of smoke and got daddy back to breathing. And on that night, the preacher preached a revival meeting like me and Chris went to last night. How to reach your loved ones through loving them to death. <laughs> loving them to death. And I remember my mother and I sat on the back porch and we promised God we'd love him to death. Three years later, he couldn't take any more. He got saved. We loved him to death. No, we really loved him to life. We really didn't do it. It was God through us because we, 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 no, we ain't got that much love. Folks, listen, God wants you to get a burden for these people that's going to face this judgment. Bob Harrington, 
This will date me. Y'all don't even know who Bob Harrington is. Brother Larry's the pre- prison evangelist of old. Old Southern Baptist, big chunky fat guy. But he went to those prisons and he'd, he'd win hundreds of prisoners to the Lord. He went into a prison revival. Brother Gregory, he was on the way home. It was real foggy. I mean, it was so foggy, you couldn't hardly see in front of you, but he had to get home because he was so sleepy. He was driving by faith. He came on this bridge, and all of a sudden, scared him half to death. This guy jumped out in front, just jumped out in front of the car, put his hands out like that. He said, I'm about to get mugged. I'm going around that jaybird. And you would too. It was in South New Orleans or somewhere. Amen. So he went this way, and that guy jumped in front of him like that. Then he, tur- he, he pulled over. Nobody was coming either way on the bridge. And he jumped over and tried to block him there. And he jumped over there. Finally, Brother Harrington said he had got up enough nerve to roll the window down and say, what are you doing? Scared to death he was going to pull a gun on him and rob him. He said, sir, I just want to let you know that the bridge is out. And I had to warn you. I wonder if he had just went on around. But wonder, just wonder now, if that guy didn't care enough just to go on to his house and sit in his lazy boy chair and not warn Barb Harrington that the bridge was out. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. The bridge is out. And I'll just, I'll just put it this way. Come here, Luke. Come here. Come here. You hate this, don't you? Amen. So he said, yep, I should. All right, Luke, you stand right here. This is my grandson. He's 14 going on 100. 13, excuse me. He's 13 years old. All right, now, Luke's walking this way, and he doesn't realize, but everything over this platform is a pit of fire. He's walking. Start walking. No, get back up a little bit. I want, this, I want this more dramatic. He's walking. Stop right there. Stop right there. How many of you would get out of your seat and save my grandson's life? I think every one of you would. His sister would pray about it. But no, I, no. How many of you would say, hey, no, 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 Luke, no. This, this, is, this is darkness. You're deceived. There's a fire. You're going to die. But I want to tell you something. People are going to hell, and they're going forever and ever and ever and ever. And we can't just sit on a pew and say, well, let's just have church. We must go to them, plant the seed. But before we go to them, we must be filled with the Spirit of God and say, Lord, I don't have the courage, the wisdom, or the compassion that I need. Witness through me. Fill me with your spirit for soul winning power. Let's pray. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I don't know if you've sensed the seriousness of this message, but it's serious because, folks, hell's mentioned 87 times in the Word of God. And Jesus spoke on it, preached on it 13 times. If it's not real, God's not real, Jesus is not real, and the Bible is not real. But Lord, I believe there's a great white throne judgment. And Lord, I'm burdened. I'm burdened for my own callous soul. I'm burdened for more tears. I'm burdened to see more people saved. 